Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. Most of the time, uh, folk want to just, you know, listen to you to find out whether or not they want to open their heart to you, you know, and, and sometimes that, that's, that's, a, that's a safe thing to do. I get that, okay? But uh, we've known each other for quite some time, and, and it had, you know, I mean, uh, my friend, we, we talk a lot about stuff, but just, you know, I mean, he and uh, one of his friends showed up at one of my meetings in New York, and that was the last time I've been invited back to that church. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm of the, the caliber where, you know, if somebody else's conflict um, exists with a friend of mine and then they don't want to have anything to do with me, that's on them. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to pick up anybody's fight. That's not my call. Normally, uh, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> Prophet Charlie, he, he, he called me band, uh, Band-Aid Prophet for years, you know, and and because I have a tendency to kind of want to just heal people. And um, I, I think that that's important too, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, you grow, you mature, your voice changes, your, your commission in life gets, begins to get uh, refined. And I, I find myself in a, in a very unique uh, season of my ministry. The Lord basically, there are things where I've wanted to say. I wanted to say them, but I just didn't, I didn't have the liberty to say it, you know, but a, a word fitly spoken is, is what's important. And the Lord basically has brought me to a place where he said, it's not no longer time for you to hold back. Uh, you, you've got to just get out of you what I put in you and then let the chips fall where they may, you know, and I've never been somebody that just wanted to be uh, harsh or mean or anything like that, but uh, still there has to be things that are needed to be said. So um, I'm thankful that I'm, I'm in a safe place today where I can, I can say what I feel in my heart I need to say. Amen? So I want to thank you for the opportunity to serve you. I want to thank uh, the Cokers for having me in their home and, and um, just uh, feeding me a, a tremendous meal, not only last night, but this morning. And um, thank you as a church for having me here to minister to you. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump right into this in, in uh, John chapter 9. And before we begin to read from our text this morning, let me lead with 1 Peter 1 and 6. Uh, the Apostle Peter said this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And can I tell you something about 2020? This has been an if-need-be year. And everything about what has happened this year has been an if-need-be set up by God. We've had the opportunity to slow down. We've had the opportunity to, to uh, uh, consider our ways. We've had an opportunity to, to be uh, realigned where we have gotten off track. 
So everything that's happened, and you know, when the Lord began to deal with me about 2020, it normally starts in July of the year prior. And um, the Lord began to talk to me. He said, you're coming into a year of double portion. Now, 20 is the number of redemption. And this year has got a double portion of redemption written all over it. Now you might say, well, how in the world can the pandemic and, 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 and the coronavirus and the quarantines and, and, and the, the, the political struggle that our nation faces right now, how in the world can this be a year of a double portion of redemption? And the Lord began to take me to, uh, Job uh, 38 and Job 40, and he began to speak to me. He said, I'm, I'm gonna, I want you to understand what I'm conveying to the nation right now. He said, out of a whirlwind, I will speak to Job. And I said, God, I said, what are you talking about? And he said, a whirlwind biblically is a, a an explanation that when life seems like it's out of control, I'm letting creation know that the creator is in perfect control. And the Lord began to deal with me out of Job. And, and what I didn't know about Job, according to Genesis 46, verse 13, is that Job was the third son of Issachar. First Chronicles 12 and 32, the sons of Issachar could discern the times and have wisdom to know what to do. So God was bringing me into some counsel, and he began to quickly point out to me right around verse 6. He said, do not annul my judgments by getting me to cater to your present need. He said, the day of self, uh, what was that word, self-preservation uh, uh, is over. It's time to start thinking beyond ourselves. It's time for us to understand what real vision looks like. Come on, amen? Okay. So um, really, I think that everything that God wants to open our eyes to right now has got a... This is what the Lord said. The Lord said, understand that I've judged what's tried to afflict you. And the quickest way to enter into the manifestation of that judgment is for you to see things the way I want you to see them. That's when redemption takes over. So what we need to understand is we need to be seeing it the way God wants us to see it right now. Not the way we think we see it. Because a lot of times what happens is normally when I catch up with timing, what I thought things were going to be all of a sudden are totally different. Like when I was talking with Louie this morning and, and he began to share with me that um, he had kept his real estate license in the state of Florida and the word, the verbiage right there triggered me into a dream that I had about him two weeks ago. And the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. So your timing here this morning, Louie, has been ordered by God. All right. The word of the Lord prior to you leaving was that wherever you were going, God was going to engraft you into a house that was familiar with the house that you are familiar with. But you have to remember something, Louis. You are a son of this house. And you are an agent of change. You see, you thought you were going where you were going to be engrafted into something that was familiar, when in reality, God was using you and is still using you. That's the reason why you still got roots here. Using you to take the model of what you've learned here and take it and be influential wherever you go. So your days of influence are still in front of you. I, I, and I will tell you this, I will tell you that people from wherever you're at are going to come here because you're here. 
All right. So be encouraged with that. You know, uh, I think that we've been in an if need be season. And, um, you know, everything the way this year's turned out thus far um, has only brought me to one conclusion. And that's found in Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, when God began to tell Nebuchadnezzar through the prophet Daniel, he said, I, I want you to understand that the, the Most High God works within the government of men. So regardless of what the agenda might be from the left or from the right, how many realize that we're not chasing a donkey, nor are we chasing an elephant? We're chasing a lamb. Amen? God's at work within the government of men. Okay? And we, we have to understand these things. And the Lord began to tell me about 2020. He said, be very careful about how you paint on the canvas of this year. He said, because if you paint correctly, it will have fruit that will remain for the remaining nine years of this decade. This is the year of crucial decision-making. What we do this year is going to set the tone for the direction of the remaining nine years of this decade. Are you hearing me? Okay. So with this in mind, let's begin to chase our storyline this morning out of the ninth chapter of John. In the ninth chapter of John, what's happened is there was a man that was born blind from birth. And the question came up, um, Lord, who sinned? His father? or his mother, for this child to be born blind. And Jesus said, neither. This child, basically, is somebody that is in position for the works of Christ, or the works of God, to be manifested through. Right? And he explains that to his disciples, and then he sits down and he begins to spit on the ground and make mud. Now, if it... Concerning biology, I personally believe that Jesus' the strongest DNA was in his blood. But our strongest DNA is in our saliva. And Jesus was putting some pretty strong DNA on this man's eyes. Okay? And, and, and he, what he was doing is he was forming some mud and he was sticking it to his eye sockets. And then he said, I want you to go to the pool of Shalom and wash. Or that pool actually defines itself as meaning scent. How many realize that when your eyes come open, now God can begin to do something with you? Okay. And this, <laughs> I love this guy. I mean, this man actually started getting frustrated with the religious system. Because his eyes were now open. And his understanding was now starting to be opened. And his heart was starting to be opened. And his life was now being opened to the purpose in which he was created for. See, you've got to be very careful about avoiding people that want to put a label on you that will try and get you to define their failures and make it your purpose. you get around, You got to get around people that will take those things off of you and say, look, that is not in the DNA of your description." And put on you proper enlightenment for you to fulfill, fulfill your purpose. Okay? Just because you've got, you know, that crazy uncle that shows up and tries to ruin every, every holiday. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or a controlling mother, or a controlling father, or an alcoholic situation, or, or whatever. <laughs> Amen. 
doesn't mean that you have to stay. You don't have to always be a product of that. In fact, most of us are probably frustrated with that kind of pattern in our life anyways. And as long as it can keep you frustrated, it can keep you endorsing the fruit of somebody's actions. But you get healed, and now all of a sudden that person can't push that button in you. So now your willingness to heal and forgive has actually postured somebody else to have an opportunity to be healed and, and forgiven themselves. Amen? Okay? So uh, this man is actually frustrated with what's going on. And um, his, his change of life physically, actually, uh, his neighbors didn't even recognize him. You ever notice that? You ever notice that when somebody's eyes come open, their whole countenance change? And now what you, you know, you're, 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 they, they were looking at him and say, well, yeah, I've known this guy his entire life. And, 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 and now even his own appearance is different because his eyes came open. And they took him to the Pharisees. <laughs> Big mistake, <laughs> you know. But they took him to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees' first question was this, well, when did this happen? And they said, well, it happened on the Sabbath. This is an amazing thing to me. People that are astute in Scripture actually witnessing the fruit of the Messiah, and now they're wrestling within themselves, did it happen legally or not? Did it happen on the Messiah? Or, or uh, the, the fruit of the Messiah, did it happen on the Sabbath? Well, they, they were they were completely baffled. In fact, actually, they got they got to a place where they their their, their whole their whole grouping was now divided because they there were some of them that didn't even really care. All they knew is they were witnessing the the, the prophetic confirmation of the sent one. The incarnate Christ, the Son of God manifest, the Word made flesh, men beholding the glory of the Lord, the Word of the Lord. Right? And they were, there were half of them, they were divided and, 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 and they basically, so they put the pressure on the parents. And they went and got the parents and they said, Hey, look, you know, this, this is your child. He was born from, you know, from birth blind. And, 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 and what do you say? Well, let's say, I don't, man, you know, I, I know that this is my kid and he's now seeing, but, you know, I, I have no idea how it happened or, or who it happened through. And, and, and so they couldn't pressure them, you know, and to get some kind of reaction out of them because the Scripture says this. The Scripture says that they were trying to break somebody to get them to confess that this was the Christ. And by doing so, they already pre-motivated themselves to, to, to kick them out, to get rid of them. Okay? Some of you need to realize that you're in good company. Somebody, You need to realize that sometimes religion will do you a favor. Come on, Amen. And sometimes, you know, you, you might have some hurt feelings about that. But the bottom line is, is, is God brought you to a place of seeing. God brought you to a place of messianic fruit. An understanding that requires you to happen, to, to have to happen to maybe move a little bit. Okay? So I want to encourage you when it comes to understanding uh, the voice of the Lord or seeing things correctly. So as the storyline begins to chase chase itself. All of a sudden, they, they bring this, this uh, band back into the council of these Pharisees, and they started pressuring him. 
you know, and, and, and the guy says, well, I don't even know who did this. I, I, I haven't seen him after he opened my eyes. I, you know, I, I went to the pool, I washed my eyes are now open and he disappeared. I didn't know where he went. Okay. So they're pressuring him and they, and, and this is interesting because the guy got frustrated in verse 30 is where we're going to start. And the Bible says this, the man answered and said to them, why is why this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Like, you know, don't you realize that this is supposed to happen? Like, you know, this is a normal thing to take place. <laughs> you see, if you get around somebody that you can actually, they can actually open your eyes, the people that haven't been able to do so will have a problem with that person. Are you listening? Okay. So the scripture goes on to say, since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Now watch this. This is so interesting to me. And they answered and said to him, you are completely born in sin or in sins. And are you teaching us? That they and they cast him out. Now, this, there's a whole reason for all this story, this storyline. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he, then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into the world. Understand that God has judged what has tried to afflict us. Okay? And the best way to set that redemption in motion is to see it the way he wants it seen. Okay? I have come into the world that those who do not see me and that those who may see may be made made blind. And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? How many realize that their decision making was keeping them blind? And he said, and, and Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Or basically what he's saying is you know exactly what's going on. I'm the Messiah, and the Messiah is supposed to bring sight to the blind, you know, healing of leprosy to the leper, opening the deaf ear and the mute tongue and raising the dead, and you've witnessed the fruits of the Messiah, and you're still making a choice to stay blind. Right? Okay. The Lord spoke to me about a month and a half ago, and he said, the day of dichotomy is here. The difference between two things. Isaiah begins to tell us in chapter 29, he says this, he said, there will come a day where people will see, there will come a day where people will hear, and there will come a day where people will read and then make a choice on purpose to refuse. 
Ezekiel chapter 44 tells us that there's a difference between the Zadok priesthood and the rest of the Levitical priests. The Zadok priesthood made a decision not to abandon the ordinances of God, not to quit on the law of God, not to quit on the structure of God, not to quit on, 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 on how, how God does things, but yet identify the priests that minister to the souls of men. And he said this, he says, there's going to come a day where I will close the door between the two. And the Zadok priesthood will minister to me and I will be their inheritance. How many realize, my friends, that when you got God as an inheritance, as an inheritance you got everything? Come on, amen. A lot of people are ministering to the souls of men to try and get from people what they should learn how to get from God with, from and with. Amen. Okay, so we got people that are, that are, are, are and, and nobody's learned from this in the situation. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. And instead of recognizing that we've had an opportunity to get back on track, you know what churches are doing across the nation? They're adding more lighting. They're getting bigger fog machines. To imitate the Holy Ghost, and they're dressing in skinnier, skinnier jeans if that's possible. What are they? What are they doing? They're going back to where they came from. It is just the pattern of humanity. They're going back to the familiar and the known, but that's not what a pilgrim does. That's not what a sojourner does. That's not somebody that's chasing the author and the maker of the kingdom of God does. They understand that the future... Let me just give it to you the way the Lord said it. Okay, would that be all right? Our future is dependent on revelatory exposure. And thank God for kingdom people that can come into His presence and be influenced by Him. Because you won't want you won't want to go backwards. You'll want to go on. Right? This is the beauty of, of, of a Christian. I'm writing a book right now entitled From the Depth of His Understanding. The Romance of Prayer. You get into God's presence and you'd be surprised the things He'll share with you. The influence that you'll come under. The persuasion that you'll live by, the timing, the open doors, the favor, the grace, the authority. Come on, are you hearing me? Amen. You see, Jesus in, in Matthew 15, he was, uh, he, he was in a, a wilderness place and he, he's having his disciples sit on the front row of a three-day miracle and healing crusade. And he's showing them what it's going to take to actually represent him. But their greatest lesson hadn't showed up yet. So after three days, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus said, I don't want to send the crowd away hungry. Always remember this about a word from God. A word from God has the substance to feed the entire family. We're not talking about just feeding the, you know, the men. We're talking about feeding the wives and feeding the children. There's a lot of churches that are not going back to children's church right now. They're not going back to youth programs right now. You know why? Because the glory of the Lord's hitting their services and the entire family's getting ministered to. Are you hearing me? Okay, so he says this. He says, uh, have them just sit down because uh, I want to feed them. And, and how many realize that by now they probably should have just listened to him? You know, if he wants to do it, then it don't matter how I think. It doesn't matter how I feel. 
If he wants to do it, then I, 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 just, I just need to yield to that, right? So Jesus said this. Jesus said, I want to feed the people. And, and their, their question was this. Lord, we're in the middle of the wilderness. And we don't have, we've got the money to buy it. See, Christian people, they understand this. They had the money to purchase what they needed to feed such a crowd. Jesus wasn't broke. All right? They just didn't have means to buy it. They were in the wilderness. Understand this. This is the persuasion that God's trying to bring His people under. No matter where you're at, if you will get into the right influence, God will show you something. Okay? And Jesus asked the question. He says, what do you have? And they said, well, we've got two fish and seven loaves. Somebody do the math. No wrong question here. This is not, this is not a trick question. Nine. Thank you for the one that's high and lifted up this morning. Nine, or nine gifts of the Spirit, nine fruit of the Spirit, okay? Jesus said, what do you have? And they said, with two fish and seven loaves. And he took what they had, and he brought it under the Father's influence. They were under the influence of the wilderness. They were under the influence of, of only having two fish and seven loaves. Jesus took what they had and brought it under the influence of the Father and and all of a sudden, a miracle broke out. I believe this. I believe that every move of God starts that same way. God takes what we have, and He brings us under the right influence and shows us that what we already possess is the very thing that God's going to use, a, use for a miracle to break out with. What I'm trying to tell you is it's, it's time for you to let the Lord mine the gold in you. <laughs> you know, one thing I like being at, at a church, that you normally you go to a church that's really led by the Spirit, uh, the worship and, and the praise and, 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 and the intercessors and, and, and the pastor that introduces you, normally preach, half, you know, preach about half your sermon. You know what I'm saying? Amen? I really believe that God's trying to bring people under the right influence right now. The right influence right now. So for a few minutes this morning, I'd like to preach on the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord. Now I'm going to do something. I'm going to do a quick exercise this morning, if that would be okay, just to illustrate the fact. Everybody, please close your eyes. Just close your eyes real quick. I'm going to touch somebody on the shoulder, and that person that I touch, I want you to shout a real loud hallelujah. Okay? Hallelujah. Whose voice was that? How do you know? You know his voice. You recognize it. The voice of the Holy Ghost is just that simple. The voice of the Lord is just that simple. Here's the thing. You just need to spend some time with him so that his voice is just that clear. Okay? Amen? Check your shoulder, sir. Lord told me, go over and put your hand on his right shoulder. And when he shouted hallelujah, that shoulder was going to get healed. Okay. Voice of the Lord, voice of the Lord, voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. Amen. So in chapter 10, starting in verse 1, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, 
but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who is enter, enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls on his his own sheep by he calls uh, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Okay? So we have to understand this, and, and we have to realize that Jesus is talking about something here. In, in, in verse 10, it's probably the most misquoted verse in the Bible. Verse 10 says, chapter 10, verse 10 says that the thief comes, kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I've watched preachers all over this nation blame the devil for that. And there's no demonic activity in John 9 or in John 10. So the thief here is a religious system. The thief here is something that is trying to dummy down the influence of God's voice in your life. Make it dependent. And, and, and see, there's nothing wrong with the voice of the pastor. Nothing wrong with the voice of the, uh, of the evangelist or the teacher. But there are, the majority of America has not familiarized their, their ear to hear the voice of the apostle or the prophet. And my friends, if there is ever a time where the body of Christ needs to hear the full counsel of God, it's now. Okay, and what ha what happens is a lot of churches are left up to the pastor mo moving when uh, as an apostle when it's time for that congregation to be apostolically ministered to and same prophetically. But here's the thing: if they do not mature into the full counsel of God, what will happen is people will do what is right, but they won't be able to do it with the impact or the outcome of what's right. They'll get into familiar fire. Okay, strange fire. Because Aaron's sons did what his father did and did it the way he did it, but one day made a choice not to do it without his approval. And I believe that we are in a time where we need to be under the approval of God's timing. We need to see what's taking place so that we can be part of the full impact of the way God wants this thing to manifest. Would that be okay? Amen? So I think that there's all kinds of ways that we can hear the Lord, but the best way to hear God is in your solitary communion. Okay? You can hear God in a, in a song, or you can hear God in a book, or you can hear God in a poem, or somebody else's revelation from a sermon. But the best way to hear the Lord is for you to hear God in your heart when you are alone with Him. Training your ear to hear Him. You see, I, I, I wasn't raised in church. I, I, was raised, I was raised as a sinner. Okay? And I'll never forget the night I got saved. I got bilingual in the same service. And, and all of a sudden, God started talking to me, and I thought I, I had become, you know, schizophrenic. I ain't lying. I'm hearing something ringing on the inside of me, and I'm going, what the heck is this? I had no idea that God talked. 
I had no idea that the Holy Ghost gave me unctions, wanted to influence me, wanted to counsel me, wanted to make an impression on me. I had no idea about any of this. And I got scared, man. I thought, what happened to me? For the first time in my life, I felt like I was clean and my heart was free. But nobody explained to me that the Holy Ghost wanted to talk to me. Amen. Okay, and the, the more the more time I spent with him, the more he began to dial in my ear, get me, you know, dialed into his frequencies. Amen. And that's the way I've always lived. That's the way I function, how I function today. I only do what he tells me to do. I can only give to you what he gives to me. I can only do what he's leading me to do. And I'm telling you, I, re- I really believe with all my heart that we're about ready to break forth in some incredible things. Okay, but it's going to have everything to do with our ability to hear his voice, hear his voice. Okay, amen. All right. I think this I think that not one church or denomination possesses all truth. It's not that others can't be exposed to the truth, but there has to be a willingness to receive that truth, believe and apply and the full completeness of that truth. Amen? And I will tell you, friends, that influence doesn't, doesn't always, you know, the wrong influence doesn't always come from the demonic. It can come from religious folk. I mean, they're actually, see, you guys don't understand how blessed you are. You have been groomed underneath apostolic and prophetic influence. That's how your ear has been dialed in. Are you listening? But are you aware that there are churches out there that I go to where sheep are looking at me like this? You know, my Rottweiler looks at me like that. When I talk to him, I say, hey, Jake, you want to go for a walk? I want to take him for a walk. Amen. I want to get out there with him. All right. All right. And he's looking at me like, what? Why? Because sheep have not had an ear to hear the apostle or the prophet. And this is, this is the reaction that you get. Man, they'll, 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 they'll scratch their head and they'll go, my God, that was different. That was awesome. I feel so full and completed. All over America. All over America. And, 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 and you, guys, you guys are part of this weekly. Amen. They, they, they're not developed. The church in America is just not developed apostolically and prophetically. But we got to do something about that. Would that be okay? Amen. So let me encourage you. The gospel is not about personalities or, or, or popularities or programs. That's more important than the truth. You see, this is why you never vote for a party, a personality. You always vote according to principles, policies. Are you listening? Okay. And I don't want to get off on this, okay? But I will tell you, we're, we're, we, we better have an ear to hear God right now. All right? I, the voice of the Lord couldn't be any more important than right now. So I want to, I want to give you five things this morning concerning how the voice of the Lord will influence you. Would that be all right? Number one, the voice of the Lord will captivate your heart. John chapter 6, verse 63. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The appeal to your heart, the voice of the Lord. One word from God 
changes everything. How many understands that? Amen. I don't know about you, but you start listening to the voice of God. And you know what will happen? The tactics of the enemy will actually storm proof your life. Right now, all of a sudden, <laughs> it was just good timing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> all of a sudden, what he has been successful with in the past, he can't be successful with in the present. All of a sudden, you're starting to learn some things. You're starting to figure some things out. You begin to realize that his, his ability to influence your, uh, your life is, is, is limited. Okay? It's confined. But yet we serve a God that you could spend your entire life trying to search out and not even begin to scratch the surface. Isaiah 9 says we belong to a kingdom that has no end. And in that, in that pursuit of God, it's full of peace. Right? Okay. So one word from God, all of a sudden it opens a door. One word from God, all of a sudden the door gets shut. One word from God, all of a sudden your body's afflicted with sickness and disease and infirmity. One word from God brings the healing atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lamb. One word from God straightens out your marriage. One word from God alters your finances. One word from God saves your house. One word from God completely begins to change everything about your life. Once you've heard from God, the battle's over is what I'm trying to tell you. No matter how close your camp to the gates of hell, you begin to realize that that was my gate to begin with, and I'm taking it back. Somebody help me. Let me tell you something. You, listen, folks, you know, even though God might be in hell, that was not his intention for people to go there. And the church needs to understand something about all this, and, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But one word from God. Secondly, the voice of the Lord should influence your direction. Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 through 15. The revelator said, said this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice as a trumpet. Verse 12 says, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. You see, when the voice of God speaks to you, it's supposed to turn you. It's not supposed to, it's not just supposed to captivate you. I'm going to go ahead and tell on myself if that's, if that's all right. I am, I am married to probably the most beautiful woman, a woman that has ever walked the earth. Now, how that happened to happen, it was just a God thing. She will have great rewards in heaven. Okay. And I am on my honeymoon. Now, you got to understand something. I, I'm first-generation Christian. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. My cup is full and running over. I'm getting revelation that I don't understand. I, I'm, I'm just catching up with some of the stuff that God talked to me about early in my walk with Him when He said the church will walk in the last days like the two witnesses of the book of Revelation. And if you don't think that we're not going to go there, you better rethink your eschatology. The church wants out of here and God wants in here. Now, I'm not trying to dictate to the Lord. I'll stay here as long as he wants me here. But while I'm here, I'm going to make a difference. I'm born to make a splash. You see, Mark Twain said this, the two greatest days of your life is the day that you're born and the day that you understand why. I understand why. I'm born. It took a born-again experience for me to understand it. 
Okay. So my wife, here's this beautiful woman that I'm supposed to be, you know, jumping her bones as much as I possibly could all day long because after I got saved, I became a celibate individual, a consecrated individual. Amen. And, and here's this beautiful woman and, 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 and I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. And she finally said, Hey, time out, man. You got to put that Bible down. Look at this body. Put that Bible down. Look at this body. <laughs> but why did I do that? I was so captivated. And I live in that dynamic. The Lord captivates me. I mean, absolutely just, 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 just a circumference around me. And, and, and I don't want anything less, anything less. And, and I can't really find anything more, at least in the moment. But I'm completely captivated. And this voice, when this voice talks to me, it turns me. It directs me. Amen. I like what, what Joseph said to his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20. He said, everything that's happened has happened for our good. Now, how in the world could you come to such a conclusion? When you read Psalms 105, verse 19, you'll find that the word was sent to test Joseph to find out whether or not he had the character to actually live what his life was supposed to air by way of purpose. This is the 11th born here. Eleven is the number of disorder. He was he went through what he went through, despised by his brothers. You've got to be careful about who you talk to, about who God says you are. All right, because not everybody around you is going to be, yay and amen, be your cheerleader. All right, folk going to look at you like, yeah, right, you're tripping, man. Whatever, okay? And, and listen, and, and, and they despised him, didn't like his coat, didn't like the way he dressed. Apparently, I gave up my pimp. <laughs> Right, Susie? I gave up my pen. She said, brother, you lost all that weight, and now you're dressing normal. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. I hope that that doesn't move you. <laughs> I, it stopped me in the parking lot. What the heck? <laughs> but anyways, so I got to quit fooling around. <laughs> oh, my God. It's four minutes until 12. What the heck? <laughs> my honeymoon. <laughs> John died. Hallelujah. So what was I talking about? Huh? Louis, what was I talking about? Joseph, right. So we know what happens. He gets thrown into a pit. They, they say, hey, there's a caravan going into Egypt. We can make a little money off him. Sell him into slavery. All of a sudden, he's brought into Potiphar's house. He's framed there. He's thrown into prison. But yet he is still exercising who he is. Can I encourage you? Who you are when you are alone is really your definition. All right? If you can be who God says you are, when all hell is broke loose in your life, all of a sudden now you begin to realize greater is he that is in me than he that is after me. That's the way I preach it. <laughs> I know it's the, that's the way I preach it. Man. You know what I'm talking about? All right. Amen. Right? And now what happens? I tell you, he's exercising his gift. Now he, he, he's being brought out of the prison. He's now in the palace, right? He's been placed in second in command. Why was he elevated there? It took character to get him there. It took the voice of the Lord to get him there. It took the insight the, to, be, to hear it, to see it, and then make a decision. I'm not going to run from the purpose of the commission on my life like most ministers do when things start to get bad. 
But somebody buckling down and saying, you know what? There's more at stake here. I am called to save the ones that are trying to kill me. The only reason things turned out for our good is because I made a decision not to go south on y'all. I'm not only called to save my family, but I'm called to save a nation. Don't the, doesn't the body of Christ understand what's going on here? We're not called just to save our families. I understood that when my brother got saved, I had no idea at the time that I was doomed. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your household shall be saved. I had no idea. All it took was one peg in the Heinz home to change everything. Okay? But it's just not about saving my family. It's about changing the world. We are the only people on the face of the earth that have this kind of agent of, of change. Number three, you have to realize that the voice of the Lord creates a boldness in your spirits. Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, it's no longer you speaking, but the Spirit of my Father speaking through you. Anybody ever seen a, a, a prophet prophesy? How many realize that you better brace yourself? Right? Amen? You know, I, the story came up in my heart last night. I just never, didn't have a chance to talk about it. But, you know, I love ministering. To, <laughs> well, I've been here. I remember one time when I was here, <laughs> the Lord said, that guy that's sitting next to that woman, that's not his wife. His wife is right over there. Remember that? And the dude wanted to fall out in the parking lot and fight me after church. Was anybody there? Anybody here when that happened? Okay. And I'm glad that I had two MMA fighters with me at the time. You know what I'm saying? My, 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 my entourage. <laughs> right? And they got me. But I came back the next year, and that dude flagged me down, sitting next to his wife, and that other, that other chick was gone. Right? And he said, thank you for targeting me. Sometimes you just got to throw caution to the wind to save people. I'm in Connecticut, and, 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 and all of a sudden they see this couple in the second row, and, and, and the Lord said, uh, they're, they're, they're committing adultery. And I said, oh, God. So I, I went over to him, and I said, look, I said, the Lord said this, you're committing adultery. A couple in the back got up and left before I could get them. <laughs> it's a true story. And that couple repented. You see, they were in divorce proceedings. But the ink wasn't dry yet. Okay? Wasn't finalized. And they were jumping each other's bones. Okay? And the Lord targeted them. He said, you guys are in adultery. Right? They repented. All right? Now watch this. I'm in Connecticut. Three weeks later, I'm preaching a revival in Sterling, Colorado. And guess who comes through the door? This couple. And the Lord said, they're not in adultery anymore, but they are in fornication now. They went from Connecticut to Colorado, and the same God that was dealing with them in, in Connecticut was waiting on them in Colorado. <laughs> I can't make this stuff up, man. I'm just saying, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and by Wednesday night, Wednesday, actually half the service on, on Wednesday night was, was a wedding. And, and this is the beauty of, of what, when I was doing apostolic work, I founded four churches, and, and I love building stuff. But the Lord told me, he says, I'm sending you out on the road to be a prophet to my apostles until they have the character to have a backbone to be apostles. Because a, a lot of people are apostles in name only. 
And they don't understand that prophets need the pastor apostles, otherwise they get assassinated. Think on that. Because I, I, I release that word sometimes in, in, prophet, in apostolic meetings, and I'll, they, they look at me like Jake. And hardly any of them get it. It has nothing to do with being hierarchy. It has everything to do with understanding our responsibility to one another. Being subservient. Having my six. Amen? Okay. So the voice of the Lord, it, it brings boldness to your spirit, man. And the natural mind can't debate with this. <laughs> I was talking to this guy. He's, com he's coming out of the UPC, and, and he's just saying, now, Brother Tim, you know, you got to take a definitive stand on Scripture. And I'm thinking to myself, really? Okay, I'm good with that. And he's trying to talk me into, you know, uh, being baptized in the name of Jesus only, you know, Acts 2.38. And, 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 and he's being argumentative about it. And finally, I just got tired of it, and, and the Holy Ghost rose up in me and said, tell him that all the names that I have are all inclusive in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? The voice of the Lord will stump a religious spirit. They can't argue with that stuff. So I tell you, so I started being ornery. I said, the next time I baptize somebody, I'm going to baptize them in the name of Elohim. Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> He's looking at me like, man, you've been doing too many drugs, brother. <laughs> no, I've just been hanging around the throne zone. Amen. Glory to God. Right? So you'll get bold in your spirits. Okay? How many realize that Jesus had, you see, this is the beauty of Jesus. Jesus knows exactly what to say and what to do to get 100% effect. Right? So there wasn't anything that he... <laughs> you know, i got to tell on the Lord. Can I just tell on the Lord? You know, the rich young ruler, it, the whole storyline cracks me up. And the rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit e eternal life? And, and Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. And man, the dude, lit, he lit up like a Christmas tree. And he was thinking, oh, I've kept the commandments from my youth. And the Lord started quoting the commandments that he kept. He was keeping the last seven. He wasn't keeping the first three. Three is the number of deity. Seven is the number of completion. The man was wanting completion, but wasn't willing to submit to authority. Right? It wasn't an original thought. You can. You, you, it wasn't an original thought. You don't have to pay. You know, it wasn't an original thought, man. I just. I, I think. I think way above my pay grade is what I do. Some of the stuff the Lord brings me into, I'm going. What? What? <laughs> I can't help it, man. I'm having too much fun with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, Amen. He is a rush. Amen. Okay, so oh, and Jesus is okay. Okay, I, I'm the God of a second chance. Uh, you 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 want completion? I'm gonna just show you. I'm gonna let you know where your heart is. Okay, go and sell all that you got, and give it to the poor, and follow me. Follow me, my sheep. Hear my voice and follow me. We ought to be thankful. 
that we've come out of systems. I didn't get saved to be brought into a system that wants to keep me broke and blind. you got to remember something. A religious spirit and poverty are twin sisters. They are. And as long as a religious influence can be on you to try and keep you spiritually blind, it will keep you spiritually broke from the maturity that your purpose in Him is there to accomplish. Okay? So you say, okay, just go sell what you got. Come follow me. I'm trying to turn you into an apostle here. I never told anybody to follow me unless I wanted them to be apostolic. Study it. Okay? And sheep that actually hear the voice of God and are willing to follow the voice of God are apostolic in nature. They want to live the commission. They don't need a program. They want presence. And the Lord, the, the Bible says that he went away sorrowful. And he said it's, it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for somebody's heart that is connected to finances to actually give them up for the sake of the kingdom. Well, what's this whole camel and eye of a needle stuff? Well, we all know that it's a gate in a city and you process livestock through it. Well, this is what most people don't understand. Life on the other side of the wall is completely different. And what was Jesus telling this guy? I got to get off of you the baggage of your previous destination. And if I can get you into the right posture, I can process you because life on the other side of your wall is different. There's beauty of seeing, beauty of hearing, beauty of making the right choice to enter in. Okay? So the voice of the Lord will make your spirit man bold. Fourthly, the voice of God will activate your voice. Jeremiah 20, verse 9 says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak. Oh, shata shata. Ooh, come on, y'all. Feel the wind of God getting ready to blow on some of your hair, dude, to make it stand up and wave at the other side. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> then I said, I will not make mention of him. This is what this prophet saying. The prophet, if, if me prophesying gets me in this kind of junk, I'm done. <laughs> you can go ahead and proclaim all you want. Okay. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I mean, it captures me. The Lord will let me soak in my misery sometimes until I finally get so miserable uh, being miserable, I don't want any, I don't want to be miserable anymore. I know that's real deep, okay? Then the Lord said, said I, I will make mention of him. He says, I'm not going to make mention of him anymore, nor speak anymore in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shot up in my bones. You got to remember, I love symbolism in scripture. Bones are symbolic to promises. The voice of God gets in you like a fire because of the promises of His covenant. Amen. Okay? And He says this, I was weary in holding back. And I know exactly what that means. Okay? I know what it means to hold a word until the right season to release it, even if it was two weeks prior to you getting here. Sometimes i got to wait months before I can say something. But when my body catches up with my spirit, the world calls it deja vu. I call it my body catching up with my spirit, where my spirit fellowships with the Holy Ghost and where he gets me in dimensions of time that are created for me to come into. Okay? I got to recognize these things. What time do you want me out of here?
You're reading the news. Okay. President Trump win the election? <laughs> the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. I, I, I've, I've, had the word, I've held the word of the Lord because of, of, of hearing audiences that do not have ears to hear. How many realize that you don't need to cast your pearls before swine? Why share something that actually confuses people because they don't have an ear to hear a prophet? Right? Or an apostle. I know what it's like to hold the word of the Lord because of restrictions on someone that might be involved with something that they actually can't carry out. So what are you saying? When you get into certain religious structures or certain dynamics of religious systems, you have to be very careful about what you say. Because if you come across too authoritative with governments, they understand that they belong to a system that can't implement that. So why even go that way? Okay? But thank God for people that have ears to hear. The voice of the Lord, number five, will call you to be activated into His service. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Ananias said, you want me to go where? You want me to go to the street called Straight? Don't you understand, Lord, this dude's been persecuting the church, killing folk? And the Lord said, yes, I want you to go there because He saw you coming before you could arrive. Yes. People see you coming, and they don't even know it until you get there. Okay? I'm in Kansas. Only one seat at the table at dinner that night. And all of a sudden, this young man that was running late scooted up to the table. And as soon as he said something to me, just like Louie, all of a sudden, I was triggered into a dream that I had three weeks prior to getting there. And, man, the Lord just washed him. And he's become a spiritual son. Because he ran into somebody that was activated enough to be sensitive to timing and recognize that that person had been brought across their path to alter their life. Okay? So we have to understand this. We have to realize, according to Acts 13, the prophets will begin to fast and pray. Teachers will gather to the prophets and fast and pray and say, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to. And I'll just say this, soul winning might not be your current culture. In most churches, it's not, okay? But it's still your current call. It'll always be that way, all right? People are always asking me all the time, well, what's the new normal? I'll tell you what the new normal is. When God's people start acting normal, it's going to be new. Come on, amen? And, and here's the deal, folks. I'm watching the world mobilize to bring change. I, I just thought personally, I thought they were moving out of California because of the second worst air quality in the world. When it wasn't the case. All of a sudden, Arizona that was a red state is now a blue state. All of a sudden, Nevada that was a red state is now a blue state. Now all of a sudden... Colorado, that was a red state, is now a blue state. The world is mobilizing to bring change. Their verbiage is not even hidden anymore. One world order. Common currency. And here sets the church that squabbles over leading people to Jesus. 
I just don't know if that's my call. Really? Well, you better reread that book. And any pulpit that tells you, I'm I'm, I'm going to jump in some stuff. All right. Any pulpit that tells you that they do not feel personally called to be a personal witness for him outside of the church, that's somebody that I can't follow. Now, if the pulpit won't do it, then how should the sheep be influenced to do it? People say, well, you know, I, I just I just don't want to be persecuted. That's part of your definition. That is a compliment from the world. That you are actually a threat to the darkness in somebody's life. Now, listen, I understand. I don't think that we should be a glutton for punishment. You do some things you know, in a stupid fashion sometimes. I remember one time I moved the floor. When I first moved to Florida, I had to get a job, so I lied to get a job. I repented. But I... I, I <laughs> I started hauling concrete in a, in, a, in a concrete truck. And those people put me behind the wheel of a concrete truck. Never drove one before in my life. <laughs> I was on that horn a lot. Oh, oh. You know, coming, I'm coming. Okay. So I finally, you know, you know, bluffed enough where I learned how to drive that thing. And when I first got there, I used to carry this little Jimmy Swaggart uh, witness Bible in my pocket, you know. And when I walked into the break room the morning I went in, you know, hired for the first day, I put that Bible on the desk and I said, boys, I said, listen, y'all need to repent right now because for it's all, before it's all done and over with, you're going to be singing in my choir. And don't you know, it was a, it was a war from that point on. Okay, but the bottom and, 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 and I started leading these guys to the Lord. Stupid. It was stupid. It was stupid is supposed to be painful. <laughs> oh, it was painful. All right. Okay. I mean, but these guys one by one started showing up on my doorstep at three in the morning. Can I borrow money for I need another rock? I need another rock to get me through. Now, what you need is you need the rock and he'll show you how to get through this. Leading them to Jesus. They're coming to Jesus by the groves. In fact, when I left that job, I had a dream. Well, at that time, it was a night vision. I'll call it what Paul calls it. Now I, I dream dreams. It's just, I'm getting older. Okay. But anyways, so uh, I, all these guys in my dream were, were, were starting to come to church. And, I, and the Lord showed me an entire row of guys that I used to work with that were now in church that persecuted me. So, I don't mind it a bit. I had a lady at track at Starbucks the other day, and yes, I went to Starbucks. Okay, whatever. All right. <laughs> and I had this lady at track, and she says, Sir, you, you shouldn't do that. It's controversial. I said, Ma'am, I said, You haven't seen controversial yet. I said, Keep messing with me, I'll show you controversial. Come on, amen. I'm not going to let the world punk me. Come on, amen. I'm not going to be intimidated by the world. They can go ahead and threaten me all they want. I still have the First Amendment. And I still got the Second Amendment too, baby. Come on, amen. Glory to God. I like what Nikki Cruz did the first day. The first person he led to Jesus, he beat him to a pulp and said, now you're going to accept Christ, aren't you? I'm not suggesting that we do that, okay? I'm just saying the world is going to reject you. But here's the thing. You're not being rejected. Jesus is being rejected. 
Acts 13, 46, it was necessary that the gospel first be preached to you, but seeing that you've put it off, you've judged yourself as being unworthy of everlasting life. So the world is, is, is rejecting Jesus. You're just the ambassador. You're the ambassador of change. Why in the world are we... And see, here's... Muslims, their main commission in America is to breed Christianity out of this country. Well, we know all this stuff. We watch this liberal spirit try and take over our country. We know this stuff, and the church is still squabbling about not winning souls. When are we going to get a handle on this? When you start listening to the voice of God. Are you listening? Some of you don't even realize that your lack of involvement has kept the Holy Ghost from being involved with you to actually cause your life to really blossom. Okay? And this is what I'm doing. I'm giving a track to every leader that I preach for. It's a simple track. It says, Jesus loves you. Plan of salvation on the back. Phone number, address, and I'm giving it to the leader that asked this church to, to have one commission, and that is to change your community with the call of Christ. Because here's the thing. When you get to heaven, what was prophesied over you don't mean a flip. Okay? What you did on the earth is the only thing that means something. All right. And if you don't want to hang out with me because I witnessed the folk, because you don't want to hang out with me because I, I will prophesy to people at Walmart. Let a guy in the baptism of the Holy Ghost at a gas pump the other day. I said, sir, you just thought you came for gas. You got filled up in a whole different way. And he's going, oh, yeah, you got that right, man. What the heck happened to me? Amen. So let's just cut to the chase here, all right? I'll close. I got one closing, only one. The Lord began to deal with me. I'm preaching. And all of a sudden, my eyes came open in the middle of a sermon. And the only way I know how to describe this is I saw this huge celestial hand closing the door on Noah's Ark. And I said, God, I said, what is this? And the Lord said, tell my people coming into this next year, I am providing a sovereign protection for the righteous. You know what that means? What it means to be righteous? Yes, it means to be in right standing, but it also means to be in sync, in cadence, in rhythm. Okay? How do you know this? Ezekiel 14, 14. If Noah, if Job, and if Daniel, if they had not been righteous, they would have never made it. But it was the righteousness. Daniel refused to bow to idols. Got him thrown in the lion's den. God didn't deliver him from the lion's den. God joined him in it. See, some of you need to understand that your situation, God's in it. You just hadn't seen him yet. And he's not going to take you out of it. What he's going to do is he's going to padlock the chin of every lion present and stretch out a fur lion couch for you to spend the night on. Amen. But he's not going to deliver you out of it. The, only, the quickest way to understand the judgment of God and redemption to get released into your situation is to see it. Got to see it. 
I got to see it. And then what will happen is now you'll, you'll get storm-proofed. You got character. Woo, somebody help me. I'm feeling them now. I feel like I, grow, I could grow hair right now. For <laughs> real, man. You next time you see me and I look like Gene Simmons, I've been with God. <laughs> right? But what, is, what does Genesis 6, 8 say? It says that, that, that God graced Noah. 120 years out of a 920-year life to prepare for something that he's never seen before. And I'm telling you, God's prepping us right now. We need to hear him right now. We need to be in compliance, and that's a huge word right now, compliance, right now. You don't need to wait until you have to. Yes, we do get to. Okay? So he didn't deliver Daniel. Daniel refused to bow. He stood his ground. Job, we know Job's situation. Everybody told Job, just curse God and die. And he said, I'm going to remain true to my integrity, my character. Noah? Noah said, look, I'm preparing for something I've never seen before. I don't know what rain is, okay? But I, all I know is God said, okay? So I'm going to prepare what God said. And, then, and what's interesting to me about this is not only was he graced, but the Bible says that he, he, was, he was righteous, in his generations, and that he walked with God. What people need to understand is this, this is not about, church is not about some kind of soulish entertainment. This is about life transformation. This is about living the power of the Word of God that is confirmed with signs and wonders. Right? We don't need just experiences. We need an inhabitation. And I heard the Holy Ghost, sissy on the back row, you'll get a kick out of this. I heard the Holy Ghost through praise and worship this morning. And the Lord says that the governmental structure that you have taken the time to place in order here is going to be a model for the future. So you folks are so far ahead of the curve, it's not even funny. And if you actually were to go out and bring people in here that need to get saved, they would come into an ark. They would come into a sovereign place of protection. They wouldn't have to go through all the rigmarole or whatever that is and, and other churches where they get hurt and, and they get disappointed and they can only grow to a certain place and they hit a lid and they wonder why, what the heck's going on? How come I can't grow past this limitation? It's because there's not a voice. Right? And then chapter 7, verse 1 says his entire family was righteous. Expect your families to get straightened out by the power of God. And then the Bible says that one day God began to summon all of creation that had the breath of life in them to go to this place. Right? And God closed that door. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 24. He said, the day of the Son of Man will be likened unto the day of Noah. And I'm telling you, friends, we better be careful. Let's close with this. And I'm in my closing, okay? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Can you put that up there, the sound people? Oh, you, you were high and lifted up. 
I, no, I got it, sissy. I got it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, move with godly fear. This house needs to understand something. You're being warned. Now you, what you need to do is you need to take this seriously. No, we don't take this seriously. This stuff haunts me. I had a dream not too long ago. I'm standing, thank God for it. I'm standing in the line of the lambs. And I look over this huge line and I could tell it was goats. I mean, I couldn't believe how long the line was and thousands of people pointed at me saying, you told me about him. Why don't we take this seriously? I'm on a boardwalk looking at an ocean. Waves are crashing on the beach and after the wave would retract, thousands of people were getting up and brushing the sand off of them and and walking towards me, and the next wave produced the same, and the next wave produced the same, and thousands of people were walking towards me, and I said, God, I said, what is this? And he said, son, you live in the day where I am commanding the sea to give up its dead. I just don't understand, and then you want to tell me that you don't feel like you're called to the ministry of reconciliation? T.L. Osborne did me the greatest favor ever. We were talking one day in the lobby. And I said, Brother Osborne, I said, people are prophesying this and people are prophesying that. I don't even know who I am. And he started laughing at me. And he said, son, just do one thing. Win souls. And that will define who you are. Why isn't the church interested in what God is interested in? Divinely warned. I'm telling you, friends, you let the fear of God back into your life, you'll live right. But it's more than just living sin-free. Okay? It's more than just knowing that's the way to do it and then making a choice not to do it. Sin in the face of knowledge. It's more than that. It's about understanding what you should be all about. I'm working the job that I'm working because God put me there to change the culture. I have the business that I have because God has ordained me to change the culture. Everything about my life, it's to change the culture. And people are everywhere. And they might blow you off. If you have got any kind of pattern to your life, I went into this Wawa and, and, and I looked at the, the, the cashier and I said, ma'am, I said, is there anything I can pray with you about? <laughs> and I, I was at Starbucks at, at, at another time and here's this kid and I hand him a track and I said, young man, can I pray with you? And he said, well, he said, yes. He says, I would, I would love that. I, I, I'm addicted to drugs. So I, I latched on to him. I held up the, you know, the, the, the drive through for a while, but I latched on to him and I started commanding the devil to come out of him. And the Holy Ghost set that kid free right there in the drive through So even though there might be a mermaid with her legs spread like this, I'm still going, man, because there's sinners that need to get saved. 
You haven't seen the logo? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope I didn't mess anything up. But anyways. So, so this, this cashier says to me, she says, she says, oh, no, everything's good. Everything's good. And I can see this tear running down out of her eye. So I, I left. I knew the Holy Ghost was dealing with it. And I left because I knew I'd be back that week. And I, I, I rolled up on the cashier and I, I, I smiled at her and I said, everything okay? Anything I pray with you about? She said, sir, when you came through this line the other day, I, I got convicted. I'm not living right. I need to give my heart back to Jesus. You know, it's a wonderful thing when you can be eating lunch at a restaurant and somebody pass your table and they stop and they look at you and they go, there's something about you that makes me feel like I've done something wrong. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my friend. <laughs> Prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became error of the righteousness which is according to faith. Righteousness. Righteousness. The voice of God in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for giving us the opportunity to be commissioned in a, in, in a very crucial time. The world needs what you have to offer. And God, we will boldly go Boldly go. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the church would understand how vital it is for the clarity of your voice to ring in our spirits. And that we would be obedient to what you say. You're here today, and this whole world has tried to jack with your soul, jack with your mind, I mean worry and frustrations and anxieties and mental torments, things of this sort. Would you quickly put your hand up? See, this, this whole year has tried to mess with my soul. Come on, put your hand up. People that, that want help, they don't parade wave. I just try to mess with my soul. Mess with my soul. Would, if you've got your hand up or if you want to put your hand up, would you quickly stand up? Quickly stand up. And just lift your hands to the Lord. Because part of what the Lord commissioned me to do this year is to run off that influence. Run off that oppression. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we arrest that tormenting spirit. And we declare in the name of Jesus that there is an identity on the face of the earth that should be full of a sound mind, it's the church. For you've not given us a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and a sound mind. Father, in the name of Jesus, it's been nothing more than a distraction. It's been smoke and mirrors. And Father, I say over these precious people that their souls are being liberated 
by the power of the Holy Ghost. Their mind and their will and their emotions are being set free and released by the anointing that destroys the yoke and undoes the burden. So going forward, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, this has been nothing. Oh, all right. All right. Everybody, every one of you that are on your feet, I want you to make a single file line right here. I couldn't do this in most churches. Make a single file line right here. And I'm going to show you the prophetic truth. Can I show you the prophetic truth? What I want you to do is I want you to leave the level that you're on, and I want you to step up. That's the prophetic truth. What you've been running into is you've been running into a riser, and all you've been running into is the invitation to step to a different level. So you step to a different level. Now you go forward. Prophetic truth waiting on you. Step to a different level. Now you go in truth. Prophetic level waiting on you. Now you step to, you go in truth. You go in truth. Now you go forward in truth. You recognize what's going on. Step to a different level. 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 You're going forward in prophetic truth. Step to a different level. Amen. Now, every one of you, I shouldn't have to coach you up right now. Every one of you should probably start running around the church and acting like you lost your mind. I take off running, girl. Shout as you go. Shout as you go. Step to a different level. Step to a different level. Can I tell you something? You need to enter into your calling. You've been playing it safe too long. Okay? Trust the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost says, I want you to camp right here, you camp where he says camp. Why in the world would you spend all week preparing to lead the people through the gates and into the courts only to have a set that you want to do instead of finding the song of the Lord? Been playing it safe too long. You stepped to a different level this morning. Or did you just do that or are you did you really do that? My God, my God. Okay, there we go. Hallelujah. Amen. Step into a different level. Come on, let's don't sit down. Let's stand up. Amen. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, I thank you for these precious people. Lord, I thank you that they are ready, postured, and ready to bring change. Ready to bring change. Ready to bring change. Amen. So we've tightened a few screws. The rattle's taken care of, right? Now all you need to do is roll up out of here. Shake in the Holy Ghost. And lead somebody to Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. I mean, I don't know what it is. Everybody would rather flock to some kind of prophetic service and, and, and just abort the real commission of what is really important. So I'm going to prophesy over you that you would have the heart of the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to prophesy over you that you would that you would really find the one vein that really brings the true identity of Christ to the surface in your life. That's winning souls. Here's what, you know what will happen when you start winning souls? Now all of a sudden you're going to get a burden. 
you're going to get a burden. Okay? And then you know what happens when you start discipling people? Now all of a sudden, what you know gets challenged. Most people don't understand this. They don't understand that winning souls is their next step to spiritual maturity, not somebody prophesying. So let's just cut to the chase and get away from all the spiritual fluff and start. start I mean, if I ever if I ever started another church again, you know what I'd do? It would be nothing but evangelism. Evangelism. That's all it'd be. If they were not willing to live the commission, I'd ask them to leave. You know why? Because you let folks sit in church too long that aren't doing nothing. And they end up normally, normally causing trouble. But you activate people, and you know what they'll do? They'll understand that this takes a little commitment. Okay? Let's just do what we're called to do. Would that be all right? I hope I did you some good today. Oh, I do. I do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God Almighty. Son, I would say to you today, it's time for your eyes to fall on things that are fresh. I mean beyond where I've introduced myself and beyond where I've talked with you and communed with you and fellowship with you. That your eyes would fall on what I want them to fall on. Things that I have not quite yet introduced to you, but you've been feeling the substance of this character starting to seek you out. And your heart has always been fashioned in such a way that you've been willing to align yourself. Go through whatever change you need to go through to be the person that I am carving you out to be. But there's more at stake here than just your personal transformation. I'm seasoning you with wisdom. The law of kindness is residing in your tongue. A gentleness, a mantle of gentleness is resting on you. And I would tell you that the young, and the middle-aged and the older will seek you out. They'll desire to be with you because you'll share my heart with them. Not yours, but mine. You'll understand as the days go forward that every person that I bring into your life is calling you to go through a, an inner selfish pursuit of getting rid of what is selfishness in your life. An inner pursuit of understanding that my life is being challenged and changed. And I know that you got to bring that to me like you have in the past, but as you bring it to me, I'll show you what stands in the way of me touching them through you instead of you touching them the way you think they need to be touched. So I would say going forward, every person that I bring into your life will cause your life to go through a transition of humility. You'll learn how to empty yourself so that I can fill you with my likeness. You'll learn how to empty yourself so that I can fill your cup and cause it to run over. And you won't even have to say a word. You'll just look at them with eyes of kindness and eyes of gentleness. And it will bring my conviction and my stewardship alive in their hearts. So understand what it means to really be a father is really starting to blossom in your life. And I will tell you this, even the old will gleam 
from the revelation that they have yet to be captured by, but you'll bring it forth before they leave this, this earth, says the Lord. So know and understand that I'm altering you, I'm changing you, and I am releasing you with peace and patience and perseverance into so many facets of lanes of life, but you'll bring an, you'll bring an agent of change, says the Lord, a change that only a father can bring, a settling, a maturing, and a launching of stewardship and success shall flow from your life like never before, says the Lord. Hallelujah. And here's the thing. This is what the Lord wants you to understand as congregates. The, the anointing flows from the head down. So I would prophesy over to all of you right now, the things that you need to see, you're going to see. The things that you need to hear, you're going to hear. The things that you need to come into, you're going to come into. Are you listening? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad the young people are in here right now. Hallelujah. The angelic are starting to show up. You know, You know what that means? It means that there's unfulfilled prophecy in your life waiting to happen. You know what that means? It means that God has dealt with the strong man himself. You know, that's exactly what it means. So I would tell you this, that in the days and in the weeks to come, you will see the fulfillment of what has been outstanding in your life, even if it's been prophesied years ago. You'll watch it happen within the weeks to come. It flows from the head down to the body. And it's time for your life to come into the fulfillment of what God has purposed it to be. Amen? You receive that? You believe that? I'm telling you, when an angel shows up and gets along some, alongside somebody, <laughs> oh my gosh. And when Jesus said, I won't feed these guys, and they only have two fish and seven loaves, ain't no problem. No problem at all. The angelic are here. They're ready to carry forth the word of the Lord. Everything will work for your good. Have the character to follow. Will you do it? I believe you will. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to IdentityChurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages. Read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.